Welcome to a Veterans Podcast, powered by Wisconsin Veterans Network, the show where we hear unique, inspiring stories from veterans all over. Veterans who've transitioned, who've overcome obstacles, and even those still struggling. We will learn all veterans have a unique story, ones filled with pain and triumphs, and we will learn no veteran is alone, no matter the path they took. We share their stories to help motivate and inspire the world, to help understand what it means to be a veteran, and most of all, we share to give them a voice amongst the noise. You can find us at aveteranspodcast.com to learn more and how you can be a part of the show. Welcome back to a Veterans Podcast, everybody. So excited you're here. Um, so excited that you're listening. I am I'm just happy to be here. You know, it's it's good to um interview people and hear their stories and hear from other veterans. I think our community as veterans is pretty tight knit when you think about it. Um so I just love interviewing people. So I'm excited to have you on the show. Plus, kids are back in school. Like, that's pretty dope, um, which is exciting for a lot of people. And, you know, it's it's kind of a weird time in life, but in the same respect, um, the support and overwhelming kindness and stuff is really cool. So today we have Sergeant Scott Deluzio. I probably said his last name wrong, so I'm sorry. Um, he served six years in the Army National Guard, and he is actually the host of Drive On Podcast, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point in the show. Um, but what is really special about Scott is that not only was he a soldier, but um, his brother was, and his brother paid the ultimate sacrifice in Afghanistan. So we're going to hear from him. We've got new questions today, new info that we're going to talk about. It's going to be super awesome. So yeah, I'm glad you're here. And remember that today's show is sponsored by Wisconsin Veterans Network, an established Wisconsin nonprofit ran by veterans for veterans. Their mission is to provide guidance and support for all veterans, whether guard, reserve, active, or even a bad discharge, looking for any kind of assistance in the state of Wisconsin. If you are a Wisconsin veteran looking for an answer, whether a simple question about benefits or are currently homeless, give them a call today. You can find more information about them at wisvetsnet.org or on our webpage, aveteranspodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at A Veterans Podcast. So go find us, like us, follow us, all the things, and stick around for a great show. Welcome back to A Veterans Podcast, everybody. And on the phone, we have Scott Deluzio, did I say that right? Did I mess it you up? You did. You got it oh, right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Perfect. So, um, Scott served six years in the Army National Guard, right? Yes, that's correct. Yes. And of those six years, how long were you like activated? Uh, yeah. So I was activated uh, late 2009 uh, for deployment to Afghanistan, so 2009 into 2010. Uh, so that that's uh, pretty much the active time uh, that I did while uh, while serving in the guard. Okay, and so you are our second guard member that we've had on the podcast. So <laughs> welcome. <Awesome>. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what can you kind of describe to those that are listening who may not understand like how the guard works? Can you kind of yeah. describe it to them just so that they can get a picture of what we're talking about? Yeah, sure. So. Uh, the all National Guard soldiers and, and uh, airmen are they go through the regular basic training that all soldiers go through. So I, I went to Fort Benning, Georgia. I was an infantryman, um, and I I was in the same basic training class with with people who went on to active duty or you know other uh, you know other MOSs uh, later on. Um, they so 
So we went through the same training. We all have the same training. We're trained on the same equipment, same uniforms. We, we, we're pretty much the same as the active duty. Uh, the, the difference comes in where, uh, you know, after you get out of that initial training, um, you are, uh, really just doing one weekend a month of, of training. So, uh, sometimes it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes just Saturday, Sunday, uh, type of training. And then two weeks a year, uh, that you do training for. Um, you still can get activated and called up to, uh, uh, active duty, uh, like we did when we went to Afghanistan. Um, but, uh, one main difference between the National Guard and the reserves, which also do one week in a month and two weeks a year, uh, for training is that we're under, uh, the National Guard is under each individual state's control. So, uh, not only is the president your commander in chief, but also the governor of that state is also, uh, in charge of the National Guard. So they can call you up for, uh, state emergencies, like what, what you might be seeing with, uh, hurricane season coming up. Uh, a lot of National Guard might be called up or, they may send you, uh, like earlier this year when they were sent to the Capitol for, uh, you know, the inauguration and that type of thing, uh, individual states can, can call up, uh, uh, people for, uh, that type of thing as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, you know, it's the National Guard is like the, um, unicorn, I guess. Like it's just, <laughs> it's very different. And when, when you are out processed out of the National Guard, like it's like one day you were National Guard, the next day you're not, or is there like a, a process to out process you? If that makes yeah, sense. so in, in in my case, uh, it it very much was like that. Um, I um, and, and we'll get a little bit more into my story, I'm sure, uh, as far as like you know how I got out and everything like that, and what mm-hmm. what caused me to get out. But um, uh, you know, I had submitted my paperwork to be discharged, and uh, I, I was waiting a few weeks for it to get processed and, and, you know, like anything else in the government, things take too, <laughs> way too long. Um, but, um, you know, so I ended up getting a phone call, uh, one morning and said, yeah, your paperwork's been, been approved and processed and, and everything and you're done. You're out. And so I went to bed one night, you know, still thinking, okay, I'm, I'm in the National Guard. I'm still a soldier in the National Guard. And then I woke up the next morning, like, boom, now you're not. And it hit me like a ton of bricks, you know? That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that because that's crazy. So, okay, so um, let's start with with everything going on in the world, and, and we're not going to talk politics because I don't like to do that. Um, most people sure. don't anyways. But with everything <laughs> going on in the world and, and all this stuff in Afghanistan and stuff, what does your service mean to you? Like what does that time mean to you, or how would you kind of – define that in your life, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I think the service uh, that I gave to, to our country and our, our state of Connecticut, where, where I was in the National Guard, um, it, it means a lot to me um, because it was at a time when I uh, enlisted, it was at a time when the recruiting numbers were, they were struggling to meet their their quotas. Uh, they, they needed people and, and they were they were having a really hard time finding uh, bodies to fill, fill these positions. And, you know, at the time I thought to myself, you know, I'm young enough, I'm able-bodied, I, I have no reason not to join. And so I said, well, why not me? So I, I signed up and, and to me, I'm, I, I'm proud of that, that I was able to, to serve and give back to our country and, uh, you know, do, do my, my, uh, duty by, by serving. Um, and I know a lot of people who, especially with the events going on in Afghanistan, uh, within, you know, over the last few weeks, um, they feel like, you know, the last 20 years was a complete waste. It was all for nothing. You know, no, no change was made and everything's back to the way it was 20 years ago over there, you know, with the Taliban kind of in charge and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't see it that way. I, I see it like, um, you know, I, I use this analogy. Uh, so my grandmother back in 1968, she was diagnosed with cancer and the doctors did their thing and they, they worked to fix her, give her chemo and all that kind of stuff. And she went into a remission and she was fine for, for quite a while. And she ended up living another 21 years. The, the cancer came back about 20 years later. And, um, you know, when, when the cancer came back, uh, you know, she, she had a little bit of a struggle over like a course of a year and then it eventually took her life. Um, but, you know, if you were to think back to the beginning of that time period when she first was diagnosed with cancer, which, you know, I don't think anyone in their right mind would say that the doctors, uh, wasted their time with her. Because eventually she was going to die of cancer anyway. So it was a complete waste of time, right? And 
you know, I don't feel that way either because that, that allowed me to actually meet her. I was born in the early 80s. And so I, I actually was able to meet her. And if she died in the 60s, I never would, would have met her. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of fond memories of her. So I don't think that the doctor's efforts were wasted at all. And I apply that same analogy to what's going on in Afghanistan now, where what's going on there. Uh, you know, we started this 20 years ago um, and, you know, it it wound up ending probably in a not the way we wanted it to end um but i wouldn't say that those 20 years were a waste Mm -hmm. um you know i feel like those 20 years you know we were able to build schools uh provide uh, infrastructure like bridges and roads and uh electricity and water uh, to to places that have never had them before um and and to me i feel like that that stuff that hopefully will will last for for years mm-hmm. and even if the the actual infrastructure itself you know like the actual physical school buildings itself don't don't last mm-hmm. um you know maybe the, some of those kids who went to school 10 or 15 years ago you know they're adults now maybe in their mind they they're like you know what i want that for my kids too and maybe that'll light a little spark in them to uh, to go out and and maybe fight for the things that they they feel like they they should have and and put a little more resistance against the the Taliban now you know so i i feel like we what we did was was important mm-hmm. um it, you know it maybe it sucks right now but i i think good things will come uh you know in the future i i am hopeful anyways that's a that's a really good way to look at it um i personally was never boots on the ground i was deployed like off the coast cuz i was in the navy and and whatever but Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of friends and experienced loss over there and, um, things like that. And, you know, I struggled with it in a different way, but hearing your perspective kind of brings a little bit of light to it. Um, yeah. so I appreciate that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what, um, what was a defining moment in your service? Well, I think, uh, you know, going back to uh, Afghanistan, um, that deployment was uh, very significant to me. Um, so my a little uh, background on that uh, deployment. So my brother, uh, my younger brother, uh, uh, Sergeant Stephen Deluzio, he uh, was in the Vermont National Guard. Uh, he had the college up in Vermont and he joined up there. He, he did a deployment to Iraq uh, in Ramadi in uh, uh, 2006. And, uh, it was really a rough time over there and he, he had seen a lot of uh, action over there. Um, but then he also deployed in 2010, the same time that I deployed to Afghanistan. He, both of us deployed, um, but obviously in different units. He was in Vermont and I was in Connecticut. Um, oh, man. Uh, National Guards. Bless yeah. So, parents. so both of us, Goodness. I, I know, oh. uh, both of us were, were over there at the same time. And, uh, you know, that was hard in and of itself, uh, just, you know, knowing that, you know, both of us were there, you know, especially for my parents and the rest of the family, just knowing that, that both of us were there at the same time. Um, but the, uh, you know, to the question of what's the defining moment. Um, so on August 22nd, 2010, um, my, my brother was actually killed in action. Um, and I was, I was not in the same area as he was, but I was out on a mission, uh, of, of my own on, on this, uh, this mountaintop and we went down into this village at the bottom of the mountain and, and we conducted our operations. And towards the end of that mission, the, the commander was looking for me. He called, called on the radio looking for me. And, you know, I was a E5 sergeant and I, you know, the, the commander just doesn't do that. Like they don't skip over the like chain what? of command that way. So I'm like, so I'm, I'm thinking, okay, one of my guys lost something like some sensitive item or something like that. And I start checking all of my guys stuff and I'm like, what the hell, what is he doing? And they had everything. Everything was fine there. I'm like, all right. So, so what's going on? So then I started thinking, okay, maybe I got like a red cross message. You know, I had some elderly relatives at home or whatever. So I, yeah. I figured, you know, maybe something happened to one of them and you know, I got a red cross message and that's why he's calling. So I, I never crossed my mind that anything bad happened to my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I finally caught, linked up with him, um, he's like, you know, taking me, you know, I gotta, I gotta talk to you. And he said, you know, your brother was, was in a firefight. They got his unit got ambushed. And, uh, and at first I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, get me on a helicopter. You know, does he need, you know, blood transfusion? Yeah. Does he need, you know, an organ or something yeah. like if I have it, he can, he can have it. It's, it's oh, his, man, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. I'll do whatever. 
And he's like, no, you're, you don't really understand what I'm trying to say. He's like, no, he didn't make it. Um, and, you know, naturally, I just I broke down. I, I was yeah. a, a mess. I, I was just a complete disaster. But the, the thing that sucked even more than that was about 20 minutes later, uh, we started getting attacked. Uh, oh you know, we, we're, we're, we're up on top of this mountain and, and I start hearing, you know, RPGs, uh, and small arms fire, like, uh, you know, AK-47s and all, all that kind of stuff going off uh, all around us, you know, on all, all over this mountain that we were on top of, people were, you know, trying to attack our position. And I was like, you know, this sucks. I, I, I was, I was filled with so much hatred at that point that oh, I, I just, I wanted, I wanted to kill anything that moved. Yeah. Um, that's fair. And, but That's at, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But at the same time, I also knew that I was I was responsible for for the guys under under me, and the last thing I wanted to do was anything have anything happen to them uh, mm-hmm. because I was in this you know state of mind. So I got my my stuff together and I I I, I said you know what I, this sucks. I know I'm grieving, but I need to just set that aside and I need to focus on the mission right now and focus on my guys to make sure that they're safe and that they have what they need and, um, that we can successfully, uh, you know, stop this attack. And, and we did, and we, we, we came out. Okay. None, none of our guys were seriously injured or, or killed or anything like that. Um, but shortly after I, I got flown out, uh, from that mission, uh, we, we had a helicopter come in and take me and a couple other guys, uh, out. a couple guys were, were injured, but not, not severely, uh, wounded. Um, and so, uh, so we all, all got taken out on the, on this helicopter. And, um, I think the moment that those first shots went off, I, I stopped my grieving and I didn't know how to pick it back up. And so for me, it was just this, like I constant battle of being mad and angry and, and frustrated. And I, for the longest time, I, I didn't really figure out why. And so it, it took much longer than it should have for me to figure out, you know, something's wrong, something's going on here. And, and it, uh, you know, I, I even, I, I ended up coming back home, uh, you know, for my brother's funeral, but I ended up staying home. It was towards the end of this deployment anyway. So I didn't end up going back. Um, but you know, once when I was home, I, I was, I was just a mess. And, uh, so, so unfortunately that, that was the defining moment, I think, um, you know, when, when my brother was killed, um, it just completely devastated me and, you know, it, it, it took a lot out of me. And, and so that was, that was something that really affected me and changed the course of my life. Um, you know, probably the reason why we're sitting here having this conversation right now is because of that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, um, gosh, I, you know, I don't have the words like, I'm wow. You know, it, yeah. it's, I can't imagine it's one thing to lose somebody that is in your unit, right. Or, um, yeah. out there with you. And and that is awful and sad and horrible, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine getting word about your younger brother. I think about my younger brother was a Marine or is a Marine, but he's not in it. You know, whatever the Marines say, yeah, right. They're always a Marine. What's <laughs> <laughs> a Marine, always a Marine. Yeah. And I can't imagine. Like if that, if I were in your shoes and that happened to me, I can't imagine. Um, and to be able to carry on the mission shortly after finding that out, um, just shows what type of leader you are. And I think that's uh really profound. Um, oh, thank you. I, I wow. really appreciate that. That's crazy. So did that event influence your decision to leave the military? Was it your choice? How did you come to the the conclusion that your time in the National Guard was done? Yeah, so th- that event did have a, a very significant in, uh, impact on my decision to, to leave the military. So um, a few months after uh, getting back home, um, I, I realized, you know, every time I was going to training, uh, you know, the weekend drills and everything, I was... I would, I just wasn't the same person. I, I, you know, you're talking about, you know, having that leadership uh, ability and, you know, caring about your, your guys and everything. Uh, you know, I was going in to these drills and, and the training and I didn't care anymore. You know, we have packing lists for, you know, the training that we, we would have to do. And, you know, if some guy didn't pack enough, you know, whatever socks or, 
whatever it was on the packing list, I didn't care. I was like, you know what? You're, you're a grown man. If you can't figure out how to put this stuff in that bag and take it with you so that you have the stuff that you need, I don't care. Mm-hmm. It, it's not, it's not anything I care about. And then, you know, I had a real, you know, kind of deep, uh, kind of reflection on myself and I, I said you know what that's that's not the type of person who needs to be leading people you know they they need someone who cares mm-hmm. um and you know i i also it also was taking its toll on my family too um yeah. my uh you know my wife and my parents uh you know anytime i i was in uniform or you know going to training or whatever it, it was just it was eating at them too mm-hmm. uh that they they saw me and and it was that reminder that you know something something can definitely happened to, to me while um even in training and you know that was that was something that they were were struggling with too so um eventually i i decided you know what i i think it's time for me to to get out my my time in the the national guard was almost over um you know, when i requested discharge um but i still had 2 years uh technically of uh, irr the inactive ready reserve mm-hmm. uh that i i would be uh I would have to be in, but I, I wanted to just get out like clean break, just mm-hmm. be done and not have to, you know, fulfill that, that end of it, of, of that, that contract. Um, because I saw how, how much it was affecting my, my family, mm-hmm. um, just with me at home, you know, just going to, you know, a regular weekend drill. And so I looked up, you know, what were my options? And I found in the Army regulations, there's something, uh, you know, under the discharge statuses uh, called surviving sons and daughters. And that basically, uh, just kind of in a nutshell, uh, it, it basically says if if you are uh, a, a surviving son or daughter, it doesn't have to be like a Saving Private Ryan kind of situation where you're the last of mm-hmm. your bloodline or whatever like that. If it just if if a uh, sibling or you know another relative was was killed in the line of duty, um, you're eligible to be discharged uh, through this this army regulation. So uh, that's what I used to uh, submit my my discharge request, and um, you know so that was completely voluntary, um, and uh, you know it, it was also. Um, you know, I think necessary in my case. Uh, I, I don't think I was the leader that I needed to be, but, um, you know, and, and also kind of just a side note there too. I, I had injured myself that day too. The, that last mission that I was on, I, we flew in on, on helicopters. And when I stepped off the helicopter, I had like a hundred pound pack on me and stepping off onto uneven terrain. And the helicopter wasn't quite all the way down on the, the ground when I stepped off. Um, it was just a further drop than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and I messed up my knee. So the, I, I was in physical therapy and, you know, I had surgery for, for my knee and I wasn't physically able to do any of the, the running or the, the ruck marches or any of that kind of stuff that we were doing in our trainings. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I, I felt like I was useless. You know, I was going to these trainings and I was just sitting there. I had crutches and I was sitting there in the corner doing basically nothing, yeah. uh, you know, all day. And it, it, to me, it, it just felt like, you know, that sense of purpose and belonging that you had, you know, when you see all of your guys off going and, and doing stuff that, that is perfect, it does have a meaning and a purpose, and you're just sitting there watching them, it, it's like, okay, now now this is becoming a uh, spectator sport, you know, and yeah. it's not what you want to be doing anyway, so. Did you, um, did you feel any type of resentment, for lack of better words, towards the national guard because of losing your brother um was it almost like you were going there and you're like why do i even have to do this kind of thing or no or was it i mean i'm just trying to like wrap my head around how i would feel and right yeah i I don't think i felt any resentment towards uh the army or the national guard um you know my my brother was you know he, he was uh he had deployed to iraq Previously, he knew it. He was getting himself into with mm-hmm. uh, going into combat, um, you know, in Afghanistan. He he had done it before. Um, he had volunteered for this deployment. His his enlistment was was going to be up uh, sometime that year, and so he wasn't going to have to go. But Ugh. he reenlisted so that he could go, um, and so he knew what he was doing. Um, you know, it wasn't like anyone was twisting his arm or forcing him to do it. This was all voluntarily done on his own. So I had no resentment against anyone in the national guard um you know even uh the uh the, the brigade brigade commander uh 
came to us at, at an event that, that was held kind of a memorial event. And he, he was like almost in tears, like he was so sorry for what had happened. Uh, and I, I remember saying to him, like, we don't have any ill will or bad feelings against him or any of the leadership in, in, in the chain of command that, uh, would have had any impact on the outcome of that day. Um, you know, he was doing his job. That's what he wanted to do. And, you know, unfortunately, it's a dangerous job. And sometimes bad things happen to good people. And, you know, we, we can't hold those people at fault, but they didn't do anything wrong. Um, it's just, you know, they got, they got ambushed, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it was a, just a bad situation. So. Wow. Man, I'm just like speechless this whole episode. Like, I'm just going to let you, you know, good thing you've got your own podcast. Cause I'd be like, you know what? Just take this podcast and run with it, man. Cause this, <laughs> this is great. Um, so did you do anything to prepare for your transition out? Like in active duty, we have this transition class called tap class, um, that we, that we have to do before we get out. Um, which is, it's not like the most useful thing I've ever attended. Um, right. but, but do they have that in the national guard or, um, you know, if, if they have it in the national guard, I didn't know about it at the time. And it, and if they did, it wasn't mandatory. Um, because I, I didn't go through any sort of classes or anything like that when I was getting out. And I think partially it's because, you know, we're, we we're part-time soldiers in, in the national guard and we have, uh, we have our civilian jobs. And so mm-hmm. it's sort of uh, expected that uh, we're probably going to just be able to fall back into civilian life pretty easily because we're already basically civilians who do the army thing on the side almost, you know, yeah. it's not like the, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month is really going to, you know, <laughs> make that big of a difference in your, uh, in your, uh, you know, monthly budget or whatever. So they, they probably figure that you're, you're going to be okay on your own if you just, cut ties with the, the guard and, and, uh, you know, walk away from it. Um, so no, I didn't, I didn't really have any uh, kind of training like that. Um, and, and even, I didn't even have anything or, or anyone to tell me what to expect when I got out. Like, you know, like I said earlier, I got that phone call. Uh, and so one night I was still technically a soldier. And then the next morning I wasn't. And that, loss of, uh, identity, you know, it just, I'm no longer this, this soldier that I used to be. And it, it hurt, you know, it, it, it was like, like, Oh my God, now, now what am I, you know, uh, I'm, you know, I worked for an insurance company at the time and I was like, well, that sucks. That doesn't sound anywhere near as cool as saying I'm a soldier. <laughs> so, so it's like, what the hell am I, uh, you know? And that's awesome. I, I can and, agree uh, with that though. I, I know I remember that feeling like now I'm just a veteran and yeah. I'm not like the active duty, like, woo, look at me. Right. You and, know? And even, even the, the, the phrase veteran didn't even like ring a bell with me. Like it, yeah, technically I was a, a veteran at that point, but like that didn't even really mean anything to me like what is a veteran like you know what what does that even it's not like i'm doing anything i'm I'm Mm -hmm. just reflecting on what i was yeah uh you know previously and so i can't really even say i am this or you know whatever anymore it's like this is what i do i should say um it's just what i did Mm -hmm. and and to me that that didn't even resonate really uh at at the time you know it does now um but it's but it definitely didn't at the time. So what was something that you struggled with um, beyond like the lack of that identity and things like that? Was there anything that kind of sticks out as something you struggled with once you got out or even like when you came back from deployment, because you come back from deployment and you have to work through the loss of your brother and then right. it's like everybody else moves on. And that's like with right. any type of loss, everybody else moves on and you're here trying to process a deployment just in general. And then the loss of your brother on deployment. And now you're like, like, how do you, how do you do that? Or how did you do that? 
or did you? Uh, do that? Not very, <laughs> not very well. Uh, let's, let's put it that way. I didn't do it very well. Um, but I, I, you're right. I did have to process the the, the loss of my brother um, and the stresses of you know being in a combat zone um, and all the things that we we had to do. You know, I was you know like anyone will will tell you who, who's ever been in a combat zone. Your head's on a swivel and you're you're you know constantly on alert. You know, making sure that you know you're you're not going to get surprised surprised and get attacked or, or anything either. So, mm. um, you know, I. I had to deal with that. And, you know, I was literally picked up off of a battlefield and put on a plane the next day. And I was home within like a day or two. Um, and so I, I had like zero transition time. And most of that time I, the, I had met with a, a um, one of the, the army doctors on uh, uh, Bagram air base. And uh, she prescribed me some sleeping medication so that I, I can, actually get some sleep and when i was on the flights i just i popped one of those uh, sleeping pills and i slept the entire time so all that time i didn't even have time to think or process or anything i just i slept almost mm-hmm. that entire time home um and and so yeah I, I i was almost like plucked off the battlefield and just placed in my house at, at home it was That's just so a weird crazy. experience um but what i had to deal with was uh, I, I dealt with a lot of in, insomnia. Uh, I, I could not sleep at all. And, and we also had a young uh, child at home. My son was born uh, in November of 2009, and I got home in August of 2010. So he was still not, you know, fully oh, sleeping yeah. through the night and that, all that kind of stuff. So we, we dealt with that. Plus, I was, you know, in my own head with, you know, all the PTSD and everything else that I was going with, going through. And, uh, you know, so I just, I would wake up at, two o'clock in the morning when, when he would wake up and like, that would be it. I'm, I'm up for the day. And I, that was every day, uh, for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I didn't get to bed early. You know, I, I would probably be going to bed at, oh, you know, 11 or 12 at night. Um, and so I, I was running off of like two, three hours of sleep every single day for a, a long time. I don't even know exactly mm-hmm. how long. Um, but what I would try to do to get myself to, to go to sleep in addition to the, you know, sleeping pills and stuff like that that I, I would take. Um, but I'd, I'd also, I, I was drinking and I drank way more than I should have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that was not a healthy way to, to deal with it. But, you know, partially it was numbing the pain of, you know, the, the loss of my brother and everything else I was going through. But it was also because I wanted to just pass out and go to sleep. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, looking back on it, that's not the best way to go and, and deal with it. But, uh, you know, I, that also, that lack of sleep and all the other issues I was dealing with gave me a lot of anger and frustration. And I would I would get mad at people and things and situations that really, they weren't that big of a deal, but I'd, I'd blow them all out of, out of proportion. And, and it I, I just, I wasn't the same person that I was before I left, um, you know, where I was able to deal with things and, and let them, you know, what little things roll off the, my shoulder and stuff and not, not really get too worked up over, over things. But I was getting worked up over the littlest thing, you know, having a young child at home and, you know, and that's hard just in general when you're not struggling no, exactly. with all these other things, just having yeah. a baby at home is hard anyways. I know exactly. Yeah. And like, you know, he dropped something on the floor, like, you know, he's eating dinner or whatever and he like dropped his food on the floor and I'd, I'd be like, what, oh, you know, what's going on, you know, what's going on here? And, and I, I, be mad and frustrated at that, but it's like he's a kid. Like that's what they do. Yeah, <laughs> you kind of have to expect that. So, uh, you know, it just, I just wasn't in my right mind at, at that point. You know, mm-hmm. so. And did you, if you don't mind me asking, did you seek mental health help? And did you get it yeah. through the VA? Did you do a private practice type thing? Um, where right. were yeah, you so, able to find that? Yeah, so I ended up going to uh, the vet center. Which is uh, you know affiliated through the VA, but um, mm-hmm. they they help uh, you know anyone who's uh, de- deployed at any point uh, in in their military service, and also uh, families of uh, people who lost uh, a relative in in their their service. Um, so I I checked several boxes for you know being qualified to be able to use their services, um, and uh, so I, I went there for I want to say almost two years. Um, and I, I saw 
the accounts are on a regular basis, uh, you know, talking about the things I was going through and struggling with. And, and it, it helped a little bit at the time. And I, I, I felt like I was getting better. And, um, you know, at the time I was living in Connecticut and my, my family and I decided we wanted to move out to Arizona for, for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, right around that time, the, uh, the person that I was seeing at the vet center, he was also moving on to a new, uh, a new job someplace else. And so he, he wasn't going to be able to see me anymore. And I said, you know what? This, this is a sign. Like this is a good time to just make a clean break from this. I think I'm in a good position. I can, I can handle it. And, um, and so when I moved out here to Arizona, uh, I, I stopped seeking any kind of treatment. I, I, I thought I was in a good place and I, I'd be able to just kind of handle <laughs> don't we, it. Don't we all? Um, <laughs> Yeah. And, um, you know, a little while later that came back to bite me. Um, you know, I, I realized that I, I was falling into some of those old habits where I was getting mad and frustrated way too easily. Um, I was, I was just not dealing with things very well. And, you know, my mental state was just not really all that great. So, uh, eventually I started going to the VA, uh, for, for counseling and, and using some of their services. Um, and, and that, that has helped. And I, you know, glad to say that I'm in a better position now than I was, you know, back then. But, um, you know, it, it really just, it's, it's one of those things that just sneaks up on you and you don't, yeah. you don't think that it's going to affect you. Uh, it's like, Oh, that's, that, and that happens to other people. And, and I think we, we maybe tend to do that with, with any bad situation. You know, I never thought I'd be, uh, you know, losing my brother over in Afghanistan because that's, that's something that happens to other people. You never, you never yeah. think that that's going to happen to you. Um, and same thing with the mental health aspect, like, yeah, you know what? I'm good. I got this. I, I, I can handle this. Um, but, but then it sneaks up on you and, and you really don't have it. And then you're like, Oh, where did this come from? You know, where did these crazy thoughts come in? You know, start, you know, talking down, you know, your self talk, your, that little mm-hmm. voice in your head is like talking down about yourself and, you know, making you feel like, like crap. And it's like, where did this come from? This isn't me. This isn't who I am and, and how I talk, you know, think about myself. Um, but, but it just is that little nagging voice inside of your head that just keeps telling you that, you know, you, you've messed up or you're not good enough or, or whatever, you know, yeah. and, and it just keeps going and going and, until you do something about it to, to make it stop. Definitely. I mean, I think I've, cause I, I'm like a strong advocate for mental health. I, I am proud of the fact that I go to therapy. I don't hide it. Like, I think the more we normalize getting help for what we experienced while we were in the service, the better off we're going to be for our families, but also our other veteran friends who are watching us and going, okay, well, if they can do therapy, I guess I'll try it out. But it's like a double-edged sword because when I'm getting really good in therapy, and I'm sure you can agree to this too you're like oh i don't need this anymore and you're like maybe i'll just stop and and then right six months later you're like i was kidding take me back yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and you come crawling back and you're like what was i thinking and and uh you know it you're right it's it's just a you know a a good thing to, to normalize it and i think like you were saying before you know like leader leadership uh qualities uh, that, that people have and, you know, being able to, to care for other people, um, is a big thing, but also being able to care for yourself, uh, is, is huge because if you, if you can't take care of your own well-being, how, how can you possibly expect to take care of anyone else's? Um, and, and I use the analogy of, you know, when you're flying on an airplane, uh, they, they always say, you know, when, if the, uh, oxygen masks come down, you know, to put your mask on first before you help other people, like if you're yeah. flying with, children or whatever and the whole reason like if you actually think about that the whole reason why they tell you to do that is because if you've passed out because of the lack of oxygen you're going to be no use to that person who's sitting next to you (laughs) so put yours on first and take care of yourself first then you can help that person yeah Uh, but but if you if you if you don't you're you might very well both pass out and then then what's going to happen you know you're you're out of luck so Mm -hmm. um so, you know, I, I use that analogy to kind of make it make sense to people who, who might feel like it's, um, you know, selfish to take time off to go, you know, seek treatment or, you know, whatever. And yeah. it's like, you should do that. Like, you, you, you need to go 
take care of yourself. You know, mm-hmm. if you had a, a broken arm or something and like no one would, would stop and be like, wait, why are you going to the doctor? Like, yeah. like that, <laughs> that, that's crazy. Like no, no one would, would question it. It's like, yeah, man, go to the doctor. Like mm-hmm. you, you need this, you know? So, you know, if, if you have stuff going on and you, you're noticing that your, your mood or your, your well being is just being affected, like, yeah, go talk to somebody, get, get some treatment for whatever it is that you're, you're dealing with. Um, and you'll be better off for it, you know? Yeah. I always say you can't pour from an empty cup. That's always right, my exactly. thing. And so, and, and I think it as parents or like, I'm a step parent, but as a parent or an adult figure in a child's life, when you show them that you are taking care of yourself, they're learning mm-hmm. how to take care of themselves. Yeah. And yeah, I, exactly. And I think that that just builds another generation of normalizing getting help. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed when I was, uh, you know, dealing with some of these issues and, and the frustration and stuff is one of the things I would do is a physical thing. I would like grit my teeth whenever I would get frustrated or mad at something. And I noticed my son was starting to do it. And he was young. He was only like two years old at the time. And and he was like, you know, really clenching his teeth. And, and I realized, you know, how do kids learn anything? They learn from their parents or, yeah. you know, whoever is caring for them at the time. And, and they learn by, by observing. And, and he saw whenever dad got mad, he started clenching his teeth. So whenever he got frustrated or mad about something, he would clench his teeth too. And I was like, well, that's not what I want for him. I don't want him to be growing up that way. That's a gut and, check um, for sure. You're like, oh, yeah, no, for, okay. Yeah, exactly. It was like it was like looking in a mirror and mm-hmm. it was not a pretty picture. So, uh, you know, I was like, you know what? I, I do need to change. I need to fix this and, and make it so that he's not doing this, this kind of stuff and falling into this kind of behavior. And, and I, and, and with my kids, I am not, uh, private about my, uh, my, the fact that I'm seeking mental health treatment, mm-hmm. that I went to the VA or, you know, any of that stuff. I, I let them know. It's like, yeah, dad, dad's going to this appointment and this is what it's for. This is what I'm dealing with. You know, I don't un- unburden, you know, or, or burden them mm-hmm. with all the details of oh, everything. Of like, you know, yeah. th- that dad's just been, you know, having some, some troubles, you know, with, with certain things. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to talk to someone who gets some help with it. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. You know, see you yeah, later. And, and so that, like, that's it. And it just became like a normal thing mm-hmm. in our, in our house. That's awesome. I mean, I, I'm the same way. Like I, I jokingly, like, I'm like, Oh, off to the crazy doctor, you know, and, and the kids <laughs> laugh and whatever, or, yeah. you know, I tell them like, Oh, I got to go to therapy. And it's not a secret because when you start making it a secret, you're not healing as the right. individual. And then your children think it's got to be a secret when they're struggling. And I would hope right. that, um, anybody who struggles with mental health, I would hope that their kids can come to them and say, I'm struggling with my mental health. Cause a lot of it's genetic too, you know, and it's, you know, yeah, without, without, uh, <laughs> changing the whole podcast to a mental health podcast. Um, <laughs> but, but it is. So, um, I'm glad that you have found the ability to get care from the VA. Um, mm-hmm. Some veterans don't feel comfortable doing that. And right. um, actually on our podcast website, Shameless Plug, we do have resources, mental health resources for those who don't feel comfortable. So they can check our website for that. Um, yeah. But what what is something positive that came out of your transition out of the military? Well, one of the things was that in in my own struggles, uh, I found that I was more aware of other people's struggles. And I started to realize that there are a lot of people dealing with a lot of nasty stuff. Mm -hmm. And when we got home from Afghanistan, when my unit got home, we had not lost a single person over there, and and this was 2010. It was a you know wow. pretty rough time over there, yeah. and so we didn't lose anybody uh, in in my company, I should say, uh, while while we were over there. Um, you know, our our uh, battalion did lose uh, did lose soldiers, so um, it, it it wasn't a uh, you know perfect you know deployment or whatever, but none none are. Um, but we started losing uh, 
more soldiers to suicide after getting home. And yeah. that just ate me up. And I was like, this sucks. Like, what what is happening? What's going on? And so I thought to myself, I'm not going to sit here and just wait for the next phone call to let me know the next guy who, who decides to, to kill himself. I'm going to do something about this. And so that's where, where I started my podcast. Mm-hmm. And my, my podcast is uh, called Drive On Podcast. And we talk to other veterans, uh, kind of like what we're doing right now, and mm-hmm. share stories of the the struggles that people went through, but more importantly, how they made it made it through those struggles and, and came out better on the other side of those struggles. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, so we, we talk about that, share all the kinds of stories like that. And, um, you know, I've, I've heard from other veterans who have listened to it that, that it really helps to, to know that they're not alone in their struggles because sometimes people just kind of dwell on on things and they don't talk about it like we were just saying you know if you don't talk about it then no one knows about it and it's it's, you know that kind of situation but you know a lot of times guys will just not talk about their and 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 ladies they'll just not talk about their mental health uh struggles and just say oh well this is just me you know it's Mm -hmm. just my problem and and whatever but they don't realize that a lot of people are going through similar things and they figured out a way to get through it yeah. And, uh, you know, so before people give up hope, I want them to, to know that there is a way out of this that is is not, you know, that that permanent solution, uh, you know, with you know, that a lot of times people will choose uh, in suicide. And, and, you know, we don't want anybody to do that. That's, mm-hmm. that's just obviously not not a good thing for, for people to have have to uh, you know, go through. But uh, knowing that there's hope is is a positive thing. Um and, and uh, you know, to the, the point that you made earlier about people not being comfortable with the VA, we also talk to other providers of services to veterans who, you know, whether it's mental health or other alternative forms of therapy like, uh, you know, uh, art therapy and, and mm-hmm. things like that. We talk to other people, you know, to, to say, hey, you know what, maybe the VA is not the right choice for you. Maybe that's mm-hmm. not, you're not comfortable with it, or maybe you tried it and it didn't work. Here's some other uh, alternatives for you, you know. Yeah. Pick up, a, pick up a paintbrush and start painting something and get lost in the, the painting that you're making or whatever, or an instrument or start cooking or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. do something, um, you know, to, to get yourself out of your own head. And, and so we, we highlight a lot of different alternatives that, that people can, can use to help with their own mental health. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and I think too, for people who aren't ready to find that help, but they just want to hear how other people are getting through it and kind of learn from other people's both mistakes and successes. I think your mm-hmm. podcast gives a, a great platform for people similar to like how we do. We talk about transitioning out of the military, like the mental yeah. he- health aspect. You know, if you're not ready to admit that you need help, at least listen mm-hmm. to how other people got it. And maybe that'll inspire you to do the same. Right. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, because there may be some alternatives out there that you just didn't even know about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, like uh, some of these alternative forms of therapy. Like some people have found some success in like equestrian therapy, like working with horses. Oh yeah, no, I'm and, afraid of horses. I don't do that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not, and, and again, it's not it's not for everybody, um, right? But but some people have found great success with stuff yeah, like that for sure. And and so like if you had never heard of that before you might think all hope is lost, but then you're mm-hmm. like, wait, I love horses. Yeah. I would love to, to work around horses. And, you know, someone I had on the, the podcast a few weeks ago, uh, you know, she has, has a, a ranch and, and there's a bunch of horses and she actually will train veterans on how to work with horses, like on an actual ranch. Mm-hmm. And then those veterans can go on and get jobs in that industry to, you know, work oh, in other cool. places. And so, you know, a lot of times people are struggling with finding a job and that's Mm -hmm. depressing too, right? So like if you love, if you love horses and you need a job, like go check this place out and, and they'll help out with, with all of that stuff and they'll, they'll, they'll get you on your feet and, um, you know, that, that might be the thing that you're missing in your life, you know? So, so really it's just a matter of trying a bunch of different things and seeing what, what works. You know, you might might think you've tried everything, but trust me, you haven't. There's just a that's, lot out there, a lot of options. That's so true. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I don't do the horse thing, but people people <laughs> claim great things about horses, but right, it's not my jam for sure. 
Um, <laughs> no, yeah, and like I said, it's, it's definitely like, not for everybody. Me, that gives me more anxiety just thinking about like my hands are sweaty. I'm like, oh gosh, no way. Um, yeah. no, no, you, no, you, you stay away from them. Uh, that that might be good for other people. Though. Yeah. So okay, so on on the topic of like mental health and stuff, um, yeah. what do you think is a common like misconception about veterans, and what would you like? non-veterans to know like yeah you know what i mean because sometimes we do have listeners who never served they just want to better understand the veteran community and so you know if you have anything you want to kind of drop there that'd be good yeah uh, so one of the things i I think that is a, a misconception is that only veterans can have ptsd um that's not true uh anyone can have ptsd um the the term uh, post-traumatic stress disorder is is something that happened that's traumatic and afterwards you're having this stress you know this this reaction to it and it's a perfectly natural reaction to have uh when when you experience a traumatic event and so you could be uh you know in a car accident or an assault victim or you know anything like that and, and experience ptsd so it's not just combat veterans who experience ptsd and and it could be, you know, a veteran who didn't see combat. You know, they, they could have experienced some other situation and they can have a form of uh, PTSD as well. Um, and so, so that's, that's a, like a misconception that, that some people say, you know, like, oh, well, uh, you know, it's only combat veterans who have PTSD and that, that's not true. Um, and, also, you know, that, that other, you know, civilians could, could possibly have PTSD too. But also that it's not every combat veteran who has PTSD. So, so you can't just look at someone and say, oh, they're wearing a, you know, an Afghanistan veteran hat or, or a shirt or something like that. It's like, oh, that guy must have PTSD because he, he was over yeah. there and, you know, whatever. Like it's not everybody who, who ex- uh, experiences combat or, or, or certain tra- traumatic situations, um, that, is going to develop this. So, you know, don't, don't just paint with a broad stroke brush and, and think like, okay, the entire military is suffering from PTSD. And yeah. so that's not true either. That, you that's know, accurate, yes. uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. That I like that. Um, so before we go, yeah. I want to just give you some time to, you know, let people know where your podcast is. Um, you're an author. Like we need to talk am, about yeah. this book. Like, let us know right. where we can get it. Um, this is like the chance to hype yourself up, you know. Cool. You know. Yeah. You so, at? so my podcast is uh, Drive On Podcast, and you can find it at driveonpodcast.com. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, uh, Google, Spot, uh, Shop, oh, God, Spotify, <laughs> and, uh, you know, any, anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, uh, you, can, you can definitely find it there. Uh, just search for Drive On Podcast. Um, and, uh, on social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, you name it, we're there. <laughs> so, um, you know, all at drive on podcasts, uh, just search for that. You'll find it. Um, and, uh, the book, uh, the book that I, I wrote just came out, uh, earlier this week, actually. So I'm really excited. I'm still running on adrenaline, I think from the excitement of this, this release. Um, but it, it's called surviving sun. Uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, you can get it on uh, Kindle or uh, paperback uh, version. Um, if anyone would like an autographed copy or to learn more about the book, you can go to survivingsunbook.com and uh, you can you can pick up a copy there as well. Uh, but Amazon is usually the easiest for most people. Just go to amazon.com, uh, search Surviving Sun, and uh, it'll come up. Um, or you know, look in the military categories and, and you should be able to find it in some of those uh, categories as well. So yeah, so that's, that's that. Um, the book is about um, my time in Afghanistan and a lot of the stuff that we talked about today. So if anyone is interested in that story and want to learn more, I, I go into a lot more detail in the book than, than we did on this episode. Um, but you might hear some, some stories that, that, that kind of overlap a little bit, but, but in a lot more detail. Uh, so um 
So it's, it's a good read. I, I think, you know, obviously I wrote the book, so I'm a little biased, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might be all uh, right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I yeah, I, <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I actually joke with my wife about it and, and, and uh, you know, I'll say, you know, how does this sound? You know, as I was writing the book and she, she's like, yeah, that sounds okay. I was like, well, good. That's what I was going for. Just okay. That's yeah. all I'm going for. I'm not going for great or anything like that. I love and, it. She's keeping no, but, you humble. She's a, yeah, she, she is. Yeah, no, but the the support that I've received so far, um, I mean, the the book right now, it, it came out uh, like a day and a half ago from the time that we're recording this, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it's it's already uh, ranked number four in military family category wow. uh, on Amazon, and I'm just I'm just so blown away by by the uh, support that I've received from from everybody, um, you know. People that I, I know, people that are complete strangers, they, they're buying the book, they're leaving reviews, and, and, and I'm, I'm like just floored that, that this many people are interested in, in my story. Like I, you know, I never really thought of it as a story that anyone would, would really care too much about. So I never really thought that I'd even do this, but I, I decided to, to put it out there and it's just getting an incredible response. So I'm, I'm very, very happy uh, with, with all that. That's, that's really great. And kudos to you to, be willing to share that story um, because it's such a vulnerable time in your life. Um, Mm -hmm. And for people to really kind of soak that in, that's, that's really valuable. I mean, especially um, when we're recording this episode, um, it's been about a week since we lost the 13 um, Marines or the 11 Marines, the sailor and the soldier in Afghanistan. And, I think um, people are finally understanding the gravity of what that loss means to somebody. And I think your story comes at a timely moment where people are, are craving an understanding and to be able to read your story, I think is going to help a lot of people. So. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree with that. And that, that's one of the reasons why I, I initially was planning on, on publishing this. I, I was done with the book, but I was waiting for like around Veterans Day to release it. And given the situation that's going on over there, I, I thought, you know what, there might be some people out there who are just struggling with trying to wrap their head around what's going on and and what their the, these families are even going through. And even the families themselves, because they, they're just thrust into this as well. Um, and and so I was like, you know what? If the book's done. I'm I'm ready to to roll with this. So let's let's put it out there. And uh, you know, I, I didn't want to wait anymore. And and I think you're right. It's it's definitely getting an incredible response from from people. And um, you know, I I I just am glad that I put it out there uh, for people to read at this time because, like you said, it, they're just probably struggling to understand what what's going on. Yeah, definitely. Well. Thank you so much for being on the show today. You know, it's funny when, um, so both your podcast and mine are up for some like veteran podcast award thing. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and, um, you know, it's funny because when this started, this whole veteran podcast award thing started, um, I started adding people's podcasts onto our like Instagram page. Um, Uh half cause I was nosy and half because like <laughs> I want to support other veterans, you know, and I, and I think that's yeah. really great. Um, but I just really value the things that you post on your social media okay. and stuff. So I, I really value and, and I think veterans should follow all the podcasts, you know, you don't necessarily even have right. to listen to the podcast. We would hope you do, but yes. follow our social media and stuff because we're all sharing very good information to help with healing and coping and all those right. things. And, um, we got to look out for each other. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and I've said this before on my podcast when I, I've interviewed uh, several other veteran podcasters who are also in the same veteran podcast award. <laughs> um, and we all have the same goal in mind. We all want to help veterans. We, I don't think we want any veteran to see any veteran fail uh, or, you know, give up or, or anything like that. We, mm-hmm. We're here to support each other. And that's, I think, the biggest thing is, is to just recognize that we, we want each other to to succeed. And so, yeah, you know, we're, I'm in this podcast uh, contest as well. And, uh, you know, if I don't win and you win, uh, you know, ahead of me or something like that, like, I'm not going to have any ill will towards you. I'm going to, I'm going to probably reach out and congratulate you (laughs) for for winning, you know, like, 
like it, it's good. It's a good thing. And, and, uh, I, I actually kind of felt a little, uh, conflicted when I was voting for myself in the, uh, the, the thing because, uh, in the same category were several other podcasters that I had as guests on the podcast. And I was like, well, their podcast is awesome too. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, but I kind of want to vote for myself. Yeah. But, <laughs> Look, nobody's judging but, you. I voted for myself too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I got, I, I need to get at least one vote. That's, that's yeah, all right? I need. So, you know, um, but, but, you know, if, if somebody else was like, no, I, I, I voted for these other people. I was like, well, cool. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're great. And they're, that's a great option to, to put your vote behind. So, um, yeah, definitely. anyone who's, who's looking to vote for, for anyone, it's the veteran podcast awards are, are still going, I think for another few days here. So, yeah. um, so check it out and vote for whoever you feel like is the best podcast but out he, there. But he really means vote for a veterans podcast. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> vote for I'm, it. No, I, I, I'm saying vote for whoever you feel like. If it's a veterans podcast, then please, by all means, vote for that, yeah, that podcast. For sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for taking time out of your day to be on the show. Um, and yeah, good luck with all this book stuff. I'm actually going to go on Amazon and purchase it after we get off uh, this interview here. So, oh, that's that's awesome. Thank you very much, and and thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it, uh, and, and appreciate the ability to uh, you know share my story on on your uh, platform as well. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a great day. All right, thanks. You too. Well, I mean, how cool was that, guys? Like. <sighs> What a great story. I really recommend that everybody go out and get his book. Once again, it's called Surviving Son. Um, and just support his podcast, support our podcast, support veteran podcasts in general. Um, but thank you for listening today to a veterans podcast. To learn more about us, to hear previous episodes, or if you are interested in being on our show, you can find us at aveteranspodcast.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at A Veterans Podcast. Uh, We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Wisconsin Veterans Network, a Wisconsin nonprofit operated by veterans and serving veterans in need. Until next time.